Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, let's head down south of the border. The Democratic National Convention uh, is on. Uh, Joe Biden going to speak tonight. Vice President, uh, obviously with the nomination of Vice President to run along. Next to Biden is uh, Kamala Harris. And here is what she had to say, uh, telling us about herself last night. My mother taught me that service to others gives life purpose and meaning. And oh, how I wish she were here tonight, but I know she's looking down on me from above. I keep thinking about that 25-year-old Indian woman, all of five feet tall, who gave birth to me at Kaiser Hospital in Oakland, California. On that day, she probably could have never imagined that I would be standing before you now and speaking these words. I accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States of America. All right, let's bring in Kathleen Dolan, Distinguished Professor, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and is with us now. Kathleen, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. You too. So, uh, first of all, let's talk about the, obviously, conventions, uh, the the Republican convention coming up, Democratic convention on now, in the midst of a COVID-19 world. Compare advantages to disadvantages. What has this presentation been like, as far as uh, you can see? Well, you know, in some ways, I think it's actually been um, a, a decent way for voters to consume uh, the information the parties want to give because so much of the conventions in their traditional format was not for the public and not for the voters. You know, it was party meetings and leaders and delegates and all of that sort of stuff. And then people would consume the conventions at night when they saw the speeches and things on television. Um, so I don't think that the, this new um, way of doing conventions makes a terribly different experience for the voter and, you know, from the perspective of the party, getting voters involved, getting people to watch, that's really one of the most important things. Um, so I don't think the average person is losing out too much. Um, I think in some ways, some of the speeches, the, the power of the speeches is strengthened uh, because speakers are not being interrupted every minute or two with applause. Um, you know, people can make more sort of arguments and coherent thoughts. Um, so and, and I think you've seen the technical production of the evenings of the Democratic Convention get better each night as they've gotten more comfortable. Um, so, you know, I think all in all, from the perspective of informing viewers and voters, it's been going pretty well. So is this better in the sense it's less show, but more info? It's more condensed? Um you know, I, I, for some purposes, yes, I do think so. I think, you know, party leaders, um, you know, the, the, the other traditional benefit to the party of the old style conventions is bringing all those leaders and delegates together from all the states, mapping out strategies, getting people motivated, you know, putting plans in place for going back to their states to work on things. So, you know, there's no everybody in a room together motivational kind of element to it. Um, but you know, we have all adapted to the, the COVID world of Zoom meetings and email. And you know, I don't think that strategy and motivation will suffer because there isn't the face-to-face -face contact of the party people. Um, but that's the primary thing that's missing right now, I think. 
Your thoughts on Kamala Harris's performance last night and and how much is she a stick in the spokes of the Trump campaign? So, you know, I think as a speech, um, the speech she gave last night was very successful. I think it um, she she very clearly made the choice that it was going to be much more positive and much more biographical, um, which I think is good because she still does have to introduce herself to lots of Americans. Um, so given that, that former President Obama followed or excuse me, was right before her, um, his speech was clearly prosecutorial and his speech was clearly a, a direct attack on President Trump and his administration. And that in some ways freed um, Senator Harris up to be more positive, to focus more on, you know, introducing herself and her values and her positions and talking more about, you know, the the, the tagline for the campaign is, is build back better. Um, you know, how she and, and Vice President Biden, you know, were he to be elected, um, could do that for us. So I think it was a hopeful speech. I think it was positive. It was delivered well. Um, you know, oddly, of course, you know, to a bunch of socially distanced reporters. Um, but, you know, overall, I think it went well. So uh, when you compare the two tickets, uh, how big a challenge is this for the Trump campaign? Is it because uh, one seems to be more inclusive than the other uh, campaign? The One seems more divisive. One seems more uniting. Uh, is it mm-hmm. less about policy and more about character here? Um, you know, I, I think the two are really intertwined this time. I mean, certainly character and policy in our leaders, you know, are intertwined values. Um, but I think that because of the COVID-19 crisis and the ways in which people criticize the Trump administration for its lack of preparedness, um, I think that the character of President Trump, as it dovetails with the policy results, right? I mean, because many Americans are making the argument that it's his character that led to the policy failures. So I don't think you can divide those things here. But I think that one of the challenges for the Republicans is it'll be very difficult for them to replicate the tone and the focus that the Democratic convention has taken because it has put a lot of focus on Vice President Biden's character. And, you know, there have been endorsements and, and all kinds of people speaking to what a you know decent human being he is and his long record of policy accomplishment. It has taken a critical tone, but it has also taken a very, you know, positive tone in some ways. There's been a lot of diversity on display. The Republican convention, you know, they, they just, with with this president, they just don't have the people who will speak to his character. They don't have the long history of his success. They don't have all of the ways in which people from across the aisle talk about him as a fabulous leader. They, they simply can't do that. So I think what many people are expecting is a negative tone, a focus on the sort of dystopian America he wants to paint, um, you know, playing really as he has done for four years to people's worst impulses. Um, and, and so I think it will be a different event and I think it will have a different tone. Uh, I was just about to ask you about how this will affect the Republican convention. That being said, have the Republicans learned anything, especially with this being more virtual than in person? Well, you know, the challenge for the Republicans with this being virtual is that it 
absolutely does not play to what President Trump wants from the convention and, you know, to what you could call his strengths, right, which are getting in front of large crowds of people who are, you know, very supportive and kind of, you know, throwing the red meat that gets them excited. Um, We don't know yet whether he's going to try to have some audience. We don't have any idea whether it will be literally as virtual as the Democratic Convention has been. Um, I don't think the president does as well when he is scripted, when he doesn't have audience energy off which he can feed. Um, So I'm not sure how he will come across virtually. And you know, again, we just we don't really know much. They haven't announced, you know, a schedule of speakers. They haven't announced many of the plans yet. Um, but in some ways, I think the virtual convention plays to the message the Democrats want to send, which is we believe and trust in the science and we know we can't do it any differently to keep everyone safe. Since that's not the message the president has been sending, it doesn't the, the, the format doesn't feed the message he wants to send. Uh, Kathleen Dolan has been with us, distinguished professor, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Kathleen, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. You too. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let's bring in Reggie Cicchini, Washington producer and correspondent with Global News, who is in uh, Delaware uh, covering the National uh, Democratic National Convention. Reggie, thank you for the time. Hope you're doing well. Hi, Scott. Uh, I'll ask you the same question that uh, I asked our last guest. As we're seeing this uh, Democratic convention slowly fine-tune what uh, conventions are like in a COVID-19 world, what do you think the Republican convention is going to be like? Do you think they've learned anything from what we're seeing with the speeches in the Democratic convention so far? Well, I mean, Scott, it really is hard to tell. As Kathleen just mentioned, you know, there really hasn't been any kind of uh, schedule put out. We don't know who is going to be speaking. Uh, but when it comes to how the president intends to uh, deal with this convention, we know that he does want to talk maybe three or four times over that four-day period, uh, but he does intend to do it from the White House. And he has said that he wants to have an audience with him on the White House lawn, uh, but it's unclear as to how they're actually going to, or if they're going to move into such a virtual atmosphere that we've seen the Democrats do uh, for the last four days. Uh, but it's worth noting here that there is, Uh, a general interest in these new kind of virtual platforms that we've seen. Uh, Ratings for the Democrats have uh, been around 30 million viewers per night. Those are big numbers when you're talking about a convention that's being split between the screen uh, on the TV and the screen on your computer. Uh, Again, we've talked about this before in a convention in a a COVID-19 world. Less show, more info, obviously more uh, condensed. Is this a better way to get your message across as opposed to the long, drawn-out affairs? Well, I mean, look, if you take a look at how the Democrats uh, prepared their night last night with some of the most impactful videos that they were able to edit together uh, to deal with some of the policy platforms uh, for uh, for what would be a President Biden, including uh, immigration, uh, but also including gun reform, uh, it allowed them to really put a slick message together by using the words of people who have been impacted the most by the decisions made during the current and previous uh, administrations, notably uh, Gabrielle Giffords. It was a taped speech that she gave, uh, or at least parts of it were taped, uh, and and it really exemplified what uh, can happen 
on screen in a viral moment with these words from a gun victim, a gun violence survivor uh, telling people they get out and vote, vote, vote. And almost instantly that became a, a viral moment. These are, are big things that the Democrats are going to use going forward, potentially in the next set of conventions. All right. Kamala Harris uh, last night, obviously giving her speech, telling uh, the world more about her. How did that play uh, your thoughts? Well, I mean, look, she is a former prosecutor and she came out uh, very quickly building a case against Donald Trump uh, and the Trump administration, uh, talking about what she sees as failures over the three and a half years that he's been in power. But in doing so, she did it with emotion. She talked about her own upbringing. She talked about how she saw the world as a child and how that shaped who she is right now, while also discussing the fact that uh, there are decades and centuries of women who have blazed a trail that she was able to walk down. This really was a reintroduction of somebody who at one point was a front runner for the Oval Office, now sitting second on the ticket uh, and allowing America to kind of see a new side of her that they may not usually see uh, for anybody who pays attention to kind of Senate hearings where you often see her. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, and we're, we've been talked about the production of all of this, the TV production sort of aspect of this. Uh, the speakers obviously have been very strategically placed, as you pointed out, some of them delivering a message that perhaps the next one wants to elaborate on um, with Barack Obama, obviously speaking uh, prior uh, to the vice presidential candidate. Uh, that being said, what can we strategically think to hear from Biden coming up tonight? Well, look, advisors close to Biden have said that his speech tonight is going to be sober. It's not going to be uh, kind of a jubilant event where he's jumping around. It'll be an opportunity for him to relish in the moment. But this is also uh, a man who has an incredibly storied political uh, history in Washington. Uh, and this is his third time attempting to try and become the president of the United States. I think you're going to hear him talk about the history, uh, where he's been in this political process. Uh, and how those have shaped the decisions that he wants to see the party take uh, going forward. This is what people close to him say uh, have been saying. He's been spending weeks and weeks putting uh, the, the kind of words together that he wants to speak tonight. But he'll also build uh, on the party itself. It is uh, very clearly uh, kind of a shifting and transitioning party. Uh, so I think the words that you hear from Joe Biden tonight are going to be the, the kind of policies that you'll see if he wins put in place over the next four years, but really be a nod down to 2024 and 2028 to say that, look, if the Democrats continue to win, it will be a new party. And he wants to be that transition between uh, kind of the establishment Democratic Party uh, and the progressives that are quickly building up at the, at the other side. It seems uh, with the addition of Harris that the Democrats, the Democrats seem to have momentum right now. Has the Trump campaign stalled here? Well, I don't know if you could say the Trump campaign has stalled because the president has been active uh, in trying to offer counter programming to uh, everything that's been going on this week. Uh, that'll include a trip today to Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is the birthplace of Joe Biden. What the, what the, what the Republicans and the president are, are going to be dealing with right now are a series of new scandals that have popped up over the last 12 hours that have ties back to the president, uh, whether it's his finances or whether it's people that are close to him that are facing additional indictments now. And I think that is going to be something that potentially casts a shadow over uh, the president's uh, convention next week. But it's also going to allow to uh, give the Democrats some fuel to possibly offer their own counter programming. So, again, since we don't know what the Republicans uh, are intending to do over the next four days, I don't know whether they've, they've slowed down or whether they're just pausing to see what may work with the Democrats and what they can try to build into their own platform. 
All right, as you alluded to, uh, Steve Bannon in the news uh, in the last 24 hours up on charges, fraud charges, whatever, relating to uh, uh, a project to get a wall built between uh, Mexico uh, and the United States, a border wall, uh, and and some sort of uh, fraud charges involving that. Uh, Obviously, Trump has uh, distanced himself from Bannon over the years, but initially a campaign advisor and part of the early administration. Uh, Does this affect his campaign in any way? Well, I mean, it affects the president's uh, abilities when he says that he only hires, the, you know, the best and the brightest people. And those are the boards of the president himself. And we now have, you know, six, seven, eight, nine people that were close to the president in the campaign or the administration now indicted and facing either federal charges or actively sitting uh, in prison. Uh, the president, uh, you know, he, he made comments in the Oval Office earlier today saying that he wasn't for this fundraising project, that he didn't think that it should be a private endeavor. But at the end of the day, the president has chosen uh, in the past to align himself with people who themselves had questionable pasts. And I think this is going to be something uh, that will uh, provide, like I said, fuel for the Democrats to be able to question more about if the president wasn't distancing himself far enough from these people in his first term, what's to say that he would not continue to kind of keep in these small conversations or at least have more of these people around him in a second term? Uh, obviously, Reggie, you've been down there in the U.S. covering this beat for a long time now, and, and we've talked about Trump and, and the United States and what's happened there, and, and whether it's COVID or political or what have you. Uh, are you seeing a shift in any way? Are you feeling a shift in any way? Is the mood different now than it was, say, six, eight months ago uh, in regard to politics, whether that's a result of COVID-19 or just uh, an awakening? Is there still the divisiveness, or are you feeling a change of some way? Well, I mean, look, because we're getting close to an election and because this country has kind of been ripped apart by a series of crises, whether or not it's COVID-19 or whether or not it has to do with racial relations, I think what you're doing now uh, is seeing an alignment of political parties, and at least on the Democratic side, where they're putting aside their ideological differences and saying, look, we can work together to try and get this country back online, uh, and then we can try to work together to bring the party back into one line. Uh, Whereas the Republicans, they really are still struggling to find their messaging, whether or not uh, it's about COVID-19 or whether or not it's about Donald Trump himself. Uh, There is still kind of a wide rift inside of the Republican Party. uh, And that is starting to show in the polls where you're seeing more and more uh, Democrats come out in favor of Joe Biden, but also seeing some of those Republicans switch sides, which is why that uh, is reflected in national polls that still show Joe Biden is leading by eight, nine, possibly even 10 points just 11 weeks out from the election. Reggie Cicchini's been with us, Washington producer, correspondent with Global News in Wilmington, Delaware, covering the Democratic National Convention. Reggie, as always, thanks for the time. Be well. Weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 It is 126 News on the way.